There we go. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I am just thankful for this day. Thanks for, for each one that's here today. And uh, God, may we just be an encouragement and, and a joy to each other. I pray, pray that we would just have great fellowship. I just ask that you teach us from your word today. Thanks for this gorgeous day that it is too. And uh, so I just commit all this time to you now in Jesus' name. Well, because it's, uh, it's the last day of hunting season, I've got to tell a little bit of a hunting joke here. So, uh, so Billy Bob and, and Bobby Joe are out hunting together when, when suddenly Bobby Joe grabs his chest and collapses. He doesn't seem to be breathing, and his eyes are all glazed over, and Billy Bob, in a panic, whips out his cell phone, and thankfully there is cell service, so he calls 911. And he shouts out in a panic, my friend collapsed, and I think he's dead. What can I do? Well, the dispatcher said, calm down, calm down, I can help. But first, let's just make sure he's really dead. Okay. Just a long pause, and all of a sudden, a single gunshot. Okay, now what? <laughs> oh, the title of my sermon is, Words Matter. You know, it's not only what we say sometimes, but it's how we say it. If you're like me, you unfortunately almost always have something to say. So, again, unfortunately, you say it. That's not only how we, or what we say and how we say things, it's the fact that we even say it in the first place. Again, unfortunately. In our world today, there's a lot being said that simply doesn't need to be said. And I guess I could say that especially in our times right now. Scientists tell us that the back of our tongues have more bacteria per square inch than anywhere else in a human body. Think about that for a second. Which is why hygienists instruct us to brush not only our teeth, but our tongues. I'm not here to talk about oral care today, but I want to address verbal care. The tongue, which is a metaphor for the words we speak, can be one of the most dangerous parts of us. Maybe you can relate to this prayer. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm glad about all that. But God, I'm about ready to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot of help. <laughs> We're going to be looking at a passage from James today, which speaks about the tongue and the words we speak. And and, and I guess in an in introduction of why I'm even talking about this, it's just I, I find myself, um, I, I've tried my hardest to not, to not even look, look or read, listen, or anything else about the news just because it just gets me so irritated. And, uh, and I find myself, when I get irritated like that, I have a lot to say to some of those people that can't hear me. And it's probably a good thing they can't hear me. Um, the, the unfortunate thing is my poor wife has to listen to me gripe about a lot of stuff, and especially what's going on. One of my daughters asked me the other day um, how I felt about um, some sp specific news, and I said, you know, I said, I'm, I'm not only becoming an old man, I think I'm becoming a bitter old man. And, and that caused me to just stop and think for a little bit. And I said, you know something? I know a lot of bitter old men, and we probably all do. I know a lot of bitter young men. Um, bitter old women, so you're not off the hook here, bitter young women. And, and as a result of it, 
it's, it's really why we've got what's going on in society right now. There's just a bunch of people just ticked off. And if everybody would just stop and think about what they were saying, it would be a pretty good deal, probably. But no matter what, I, I said, you know something, it can start with me. And, and I, again, if you're, if you're anything like me, I, this is something I struggle with. Um, I, 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 like I said, I've always got something to say. And, um, and I just shouldn't say it, but I, that doesn't prevent me from doing it. But we're going to address that type of thing today. I want to just, if you'd open up your Bibles to James chapter 3. It's a familiar passage. It's been preached on before. Um, I've mentioned it before at times, but uh, we're going to look at it in a little, um, in a different way than, than we've, we have before. Not that uh, I'm preaching anything new from it. It's just a different presentation. Anyway, let me, uh, let me just read these first, uh, these first 12 verses. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we teach what we, we know that who we teach will be judged more strictly. We, we stumble, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures are the, of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men we have been made in God, um, who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the mouth... Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same thing, from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. There was a, a couple years ago, a youth soccer organization in South Carolina that I read about and they called for a silent month during their season. For one whole month, no talking or cheering was allowed other than clapping your hands from the stands. The only, the only talking permitted was that which came from the coach in the way of instructing their athletes. The reason? Referees were refusing to officiate games because of the verbal abuse by parents. Anyone who spoke, yelled, or cheered was escorted away without further warning. I don't know if you ever had your kids in youth soccer or in youth sports or any sport, but I'm, I'm sure you've been at sporting events and you understand exactly what's going on there. I, I have, I've been at, 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 at uh, so many sporting events and uh, I've been coaching and just some of those things that come from the stand, it's just like, my word, people. Not only is it a game, it's a bunch of kids. And they're supposed to be playing it for fun. And there is not a single person on the field, including the coach, that's getting paid other than the referee sometimes. 
I don't know who counts these things and, and, I'll, and we'll never know, but multiple sources suggest that an average human um, opens our mouths approximately 700 times per day to speak. Try counting that one and, and see if you lose track. In doing so, we speak between 18,000 and 25,000 words every day. I'm sure that some are way over that and others are way below that. We probably some know, know some of both of those. This means that each of us speak approximately a short 54 page book every day. At that rate, it equals to just under 100 200 page books each year. That's a lot of words. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time sitting down and reading a 200 page book sometimes. And uh, I could read a 54 page book and keep my attention there, but that's a lot. If what we said was worth anything in all of that, we would all be quite wealthy, I suppose, because people would want to hear and read everything we said. That's not true, though, because that's not what happens. Oh, how those words that we speak can get us into trouble. And it's not just the words anymore, it's, uh, it's the way it's written often. It, it, a lot of people with emails, texts, Facebook, tweets, whatever, you read about that all the time of how, how so many people are getting in trouble because of something they, they tweeted in a Twitter post, something that they posted on a Facebook post, an email that somebody received. Sometimes it's just a note that's written and left for somebody. I've never seen one on the pulpit here, and that's a good thing. But I know pastors that have, that have had uh, notes left on the pulpit giving them instruction on what they ought to do. Not in a good way. I, I once read a, a list titled 21 Things to, to Think About Before We Speak. I just laughed when I saw it. Because here's the problem. I don't think about one thing that would be a good thing before I speak far too often. To say nothing about processing 21 things. Because here's the problem. Uh, too often we don't think before we speak. In the heat of the moment we speak and then we think about it. Thomas Jefferson seemed to have a pretty good remedy for it. He says, when angry, count to 10 before you speak. Which is good advice. He added on to that, he says, when very angry, count to 100. That would be really good advice sometimes. I find myself getting to about two. <laughs> it comes out anyway. Often there does not exist enough time to stop and think and what we're going to say before we speak, we just do it. The remedy, the remedy is, as in other parts of our lives, we must learn spiritual principles to deal with spiritual problems. And understand this, that when we're speaking, as James talked about here, it's a spiritual problem. As Christians, we are to be transformed, not just in some areas, but in all areas, which includes our tongues. And oh, how... how so relevant that is for us today. That's not something of old times. I, I find it kind of interesting that the James, who it, many, many scholars, most scholars believe that, that the book of James was one of the first written of the New Testament. Now think about that. It's like, if it's the first book written of the New Testament at the early days of the church, speaking out of line was a problem way back then, right from the very beginning. James was just about to uh, understand this in the whole flow of where we're at right here is that James had just got done talking about faith and works. And even though he, um, we would all be in a hearty agreement of that, um, that, that, grace, that salvation comes by grace and not works, he has brought to light that where there are no works, there is no faith. 
And from there, James seems to be suggesting that there is a, a similar relationship between our faith and our words. And after an initial warning to those who are teachers, and as we read in James 1, uh, and in chapter 3, verse 1, James moves on and begins to talk about the, the, the tongue and what it says. I find in this little passage he teaches us three principles and the power of our words. The first one, as he, as he brings out an illustration, is, is this, that our words can be brought under control. Let me just read verses 3 through 5 one more time. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Further down in this passage, so I'm just hitting on this right now, James talks about how that no man can tame the tongue. That's very true. No man can tame the tongue. But James' premise in this whole thing is that our tongues can be and should be brought under control by a master. And I would say in, that, in this case, it's by our master God. This is the point of the two illustrations that he brings out, one about an animal and one about a ship. The animal doesn't control the animal. The ship doesn't control the ship. Each of those has a master assuring the control. In fact, notice these truths or principles, um, notice these other principles within the principles about words being brought under control. The control of our tongue is an indicator of our maturity, our spiritual maturity. I've often heard people say, oh, that's just the way they are, or that person has a good heart. But I, I gotta just say this, that what do we call that in every other area of our lives um, in our Christian lives. We call it rationalization, an excuse for sinful behavior. We shouldn't do that with our words either. It's, it's not just who we are. There's a lot of things about us that we shouldn't act just the way we are because we are under the control. We should be under the control of our master. The control of our, the second uh, principle within the principle of, of words can be brought under control is that the control of our tongue is an indicator of the one who masters us. We can, we can learn in a hurry if we're, if we're operating under the control of the Holy Spirit in the way that we speak. It shows in controlling a horse. It shows in controlling a ship. It shows in the use of our words. As I've said before, I have to be honest to say that way too often I'm not under the control of the Spirit when I begin to speak. And it's an area that I struggle with. Maybe you do too. It's one that, that I can't make an excuse for. I, I say things all the time that I shouldn't say, and I've got to do a lot of apologizing. The control of our tongue is an indicator of how we deal with our sin, which is another principle within the principle of our words can be brought under control. The control of our tongue is an indicator of how we deal with our sin. If we rationalize our words, we're going to rationalize other sins. If we know that in this area we need the Holy Spirit's help, if we know that we need the Holy Spirit's power, if we know that we need the Holy Spirit's control, then we'll understand that we live this Christian life not by our own strength, but by the strength that comes to us in a relationship through Jesus Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's going to cause us sometimes not to 
uh, we'll, we'll still say things, but it's going to cause us to, to respond after that in a different way. Now, obviously, as I said earlier, there needs to be apology and request for forgiveness. So our first principle that I look at from this passage is that our words can be brought under control. The second principle is that our words cause great conflict if we don't get them under control. Let me read verses 5 through 7 again. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great, great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and itself is, on, is, is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. James seems to be building on, this, on his point of how, to control, how, of how out of control the tongue can be. He moves from a mastery of the tongue to what happens if we don't master the tongue. As he shows us how something small can create great chaos or disaster. As in the principle above, James illustrated the second point by using, by using illustrations again. This time he uses fire. In our part of the country, we can understand the, the uh, we know all about forest fires and we, can, and we know how how great of a fire can come from a really small spark. Those little fires become big fires, and, and so often they're started by somebody's carelessness. We've seen in, around us, and we, we know what happens all the time, that thousands and thousands of acres get destroyed because of one careless act sometimes. James builds on this illustration as he talks about the fire by telling us that the tongue is small but wicked and actually corrupts the whole body. It actually sets the whole course of one's life on fire. That's pretty serious. Here's the progression. If we let negative talk flow from our mouths, we're going to be negative people. If we let worrisome talk proceed from our mouths, we're going to be worried people. If we let bitter talk proceed, we will become bitter. If we allow ourselves to talk about someone sooner or later, that's how we're going to really feel about that individual. If we let ungodly talk proceed from our mouths, we'll become ungodly people. That's the, that's the progression of it. The tongue is of disproportionate power, small but can cause great destruction. James points out that this wicked form of sin is straight from the devil, meaning we often are forming a, a dynamic par uh, partnership with Satan. As he talks about it, it's, it's, uh, it's restless. It's full of a deadly poison. He talks about how it sets our whole, our whole life on fire in itself is on fire by hell, showing a, a relationship with, with Satan. So we are partners with Satan when we lose control of our tongues. That's pretty serious. So our words can be brought under control, principle one. Our words can cause great conflict if we don't get them under control. And here's a final one, which, which is the most serious of all, I think, is that our words can contradict our claim to be a Christian. The pattern continues of, of what James does. He gives a principle, and then he gives some illustrations. The principle is that our words are used for both blessing and cursing, 
And it should not be that way for the believer in Christ. Verse 9. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. It says here that we praise our, our Lord and Father, and then we curse human beings whom are created in the image of God. Sums it up by saying this should not be. James further illustrates this with, with trees. He says, can a, good, uh, can, a good, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. Right before that, he said, can a, can a spring produce both good water and bad water, salty water or, or, or good water flow from the spring? No. The answer is no again. James returns to the water illustrations and tells us how that if we are Christians, as we claim to be, that shouldn't be. I sum it up with one word, ouch. Man, sometimes I'm doing that. Too many times I'm doing that. My, my mother used to tell us kids as we were bickering, if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. I know you know exactly what's coming next because you probably said the same thing. I said, then fine, I have nothing to say. Because I wasn't about to say something nice about one of my siblings. Sometimes, unfortunately, that got proceeded, uh, got followed up, I mean, by a, uh, by, by a washing out of, of the mouths of soap. I don't know if you ever had that happen. I don't think they do that anymore. But man, I remember a teacher doing that to me one time. I still hate that teacher. And I still remember standing by the sink. And it wasn't even anything I said that time. It was somebody else. I think she was just so used to me spouting off about stuff. But uh, it's, it's like whenever I, I, if I'm taking a shower and I get a little soap in, in my mouth, I still can remember that instance especially. And I, I think of, of times when I, I said things that came out of my mouth that I shouldn't have. In 1946, a movie was produced that is still popular today at this time of the year especially. Can you tell me what that movie might be? It's a wonderful life, Julie. Good. <laughs> you get the prize. <laughs> yeah, a wonderful life. Here's a, you know, something that, uh, that it just plays several times. I mean, it's just constantly on this time of the year. And uh, I am not going to do a Jimmy Stewart impression, but, uh, but you know exactly um, some of the lines from that movie probably. Here's something that you might not have known, though, that the original screenplay had some words that had to be deleted before it was put out as a movie because it was determined that the general public should not listen to that kind of language. Here are some of those words that they wiped out. Jerk. Lousy. Dang. Impotent. And then the ever-offensive cutting term garlic eaters. <laughs> wow, times have changed. <laughs> okay, so we've identified a great problem. Now what? We understand that our words can be a problem. We understand the destruction of it. We understand the comparisons of, of a horse and a ship and, and a fire. We understand the difference of, of how a, a certain kind of tree produces a certain kind of, of fruit. We understand that a good well 
or a good spring is one that produces good water. It doesn't produce both good and bad. We understand all that stuff and we, we can relate to it. So I just asked that question, now what? Let me just leave you with a couple of positive biblical applications to help us with these problems. First, slow down. James 1 says it, says it earlier in, in his book. Uh, James 1, verse 19, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So the solution is just slow down. Just stop. Take, take that advice of, of Thomas Jefferson and at least count to ten. That'll stop us from saying a lot of things we shouldn't say. It, it's, this verse, is, as it says here, is a great thing to remember that although the tongue is small and it can do great damage, it's also um, a small thing that can do great good. Use those words instead of using them as cutting destructive things. Use them as, as a tool to build up others to be a, a strength and an encouragement. The second little thing that I'd, I'd ask you to just take them... Um, take as an application is ask God to set a guard over your mouth. Psalm 40, 141.3 says this, set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. It's a prayer. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. This is the same picture that I've used in the past and, it, and, it, and I talk about it as guarding our hearts from Proverbs 4. Picture a, a door with a military sentry guarding it. A guarded door to keep unwholesome words from coming out. I would recommend memorizing that verse. A friend of mine once, once as they began to speak something um, that they wanted to stop, quoted that verse to themselves out loud and in mid-conversation, and it stopped them saying what they were going to say. It would be a good thing to do if we can do it, and we can with the help, power, and control of the Holy Spirit. Again, that verse that I would challenge you to, to memorize is Psalms 141.3. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. When we do that, we have brought the horse under control. We can steer the mighty ship. We can avoid the destructive forest fire. We can have fruit that bears only good, our trees that bear only good fruit, and we can have wells and springs that only produce good, satisfying water. We can, as I've said, instead we can use our words to build up, properly instruct, and to encourage. Simple challenge, simple, uh, simple message, but I think something that's so needed for us today. Um, it, not only in these, in these times, but it's just needed in a, in a society that just sometimes encourages you to just say it like it is. And we need to be careful that when we say it like it is, we're saying it through the power of under the control and power of the Holy Spirit and saying things that, that demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus. Let's just close in prayer. Father in heaven, I am so thankful for your word. And this is a message from your word that we can all understand, we can all relate to. So God, I just ask that each one of us would take this to heart and then put it into practice. I want to pray that we would use our words to, to build up and to be an encouragement to others. Use those words to, to bring the good news of the gospel to people. 
and that we would then use that in our own lives is to show people the gospel just in the way we live and the things we say. I just, again, thank you for this group of people, this uh, church. I ask that you just give us a, a great impact, not only with each other, but in our community and, and in the whole world. Just use us in a great way, and only because of, of you and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we get that because of our relationship through Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.